So a lot has changed over the past couple of months since we've been dealing with the COVID-19 quarantine and uh, have many have been having to work from home and being socially isolated. Life in society is quite a bit different than just even a few short months ago. Life has changed a lot more than that even since I was a kid growing up in the 80s. Yes, growing up in the 80s. And in the 80s, one of the things that sticks out to me when I was a student in school was the implementation of the D.A.R.E. program and the government push to just say no to drugs. Now, it's very memorable back then, and it's very interesting uh, to remember back to the whole just say no thing when they'd have special speakers come in and talk to us about all the different things that can happen when you get caught up in that and all those kinds of things. But the way in which things have changed from the way things were in the 80s during the just say no and the war on drugs era and the way they've changed to today, we have actually gone from the war on drugs to curbside pickup. And it's just a dramatic difference. It was from going from just say no to all the different options and ways that people can buy drugs now. And there has been a shift and a change not only in that aspect of culture, but there's also been a bit of a shift and a change in how God's word is presented and how it's preached in how preachers and those who deliver God's word are even instructed in seminaries and institutions on how best to deliver God's word. And uh, again, revealing my age a bit here, I've been in religious education since about 1998. So the sheer number of textbooks I've had to work through on preaching, communication, those kinds of things is mind boggling. And one thing that I have noticed now as of late reading about preaching and, and exposition and delivering God's word is that there has been a shift in how you do it. And there's been a shift away from uh, the hellfire and brimstone that I learned early on to now in a lot of uh, exposition and preaching and communication textbooks. There's a shift toward making sure that you don't make people feel bad about themselves and you're not negative. And that you don't um, preach people down and that you leave them feeling hopeful and those kinds of things. And believe me, I love giving people hope more than anything else. But if you watch enough television preaching uh, and you have over the years, you've seen the preachers that are all smiles and don't ever want to tell anyone that, that they sin or they do anything against God or his word or that if they, if they died today, they could go to hell. You just don't see a lot of that stuff anymore. And you don't hear it preached in a lot of pulpits. And there has been that shift from just say no to sin and to not do things to how we can be a better person and um, uh, five ways to be a better whatever. And there's been that shift in how we communicate God's word from just say no to um, being positive and those kinds of things, overly so sometimes. And I say all that because even in this series over the last uh, month or so, as we've been looking at the one another's, we've been focusing on, and there's been a strong emphasis on, the things that we should do regarding one another. There's been, uh, and, and this is important, it's important to highlight the positives, to encourage people, and to give hope. We need to be hope bringers uh, from God's word. We, however, have to be very careful not to be exclusively there. While it's beneficial to highlight the positives and to do those things, we have to realize that even though there's been that strong trend, often to the extreme, 
we can't forget that God's word also has plenty of warnings in it. There are plenty of places, there's lots of places that tell us things that we should not do. And while up to this point we've been focusing on the do's to one another, we have to realize that there are also do nots as well. There are things that we do sometimes that we need to just say no to. And we do need to be a bit negative as far as those things go because they're bad things. And we find that there are things in God's word that are warnings that God tells us not to do. Things that uh, may in fact cause us to look inward and even feel a little bit bad about it. We see that God's do-nots are just as valuable as his do's for our growth. And what we're going to look at tonight in the scriptures, in a couple of passages that were written by Paul and a passage that was uh, written by James, what we find is that there are some things in scripture that are very clear that we need to avoid in our interactions with one another. There are things that we need to say no to when it comes to treating other people and communicating with one another. And tonight we're going to see from God's word three of those things, three things that we should not do in our relationships with one another. We're going to see tonight three one another's to just say no to. As we look at God's word tonight, we begin by looking at a passage in Colossians chapter 3. I invite you to turn there if you have your copy of God's word, or if you're uh, following along digitally on your phone or on your computer, go ahead and uh, type in Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 9. I'll give you just a brief second to do that. So Colossians uh, was a letter that was written by Paul to the church at Colossae. And he is talking to them uh, about this whole idea or concept of what it means to put off the old self, pre-Christ, and to put on the new self, following the decision to follow the Lord and become a believer in Jesus Christ. And in Colossians chapter 3, we kind of fall in the middle of that passage where he challenges and encourages them to put on the new self. He says in Colossians chapter 3, and this is where we find the first thing that we're supposed to say no to, as we look at this verse, we read, Do not lie. To one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. And in that passage, in the midst of Paul telling them about the importance of putting on the new self, we find the first just say no here. And it is to just say no to lying to one another. Just say no to spreading false information to others. Just say no to uh, not imparting things that are not true, whether it's directly to someone's face, behind their back, or in other various kinds of mediums and platforms. He tells them uh, very bluntly here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, Uh, Prior to that, in the passage, in the earlier verses, he's given them uh, a laundry list of things that they should not be doing. He talks to them about how they need to put to death uh, the earthly things, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, uh, covetousness, idolatry, those kinds of things. And then in verse 9, he very bluntly says, after he's given this list, do not lie to one another. Almost as kind of to draw that one out a little bit, to draw a bit of attention to that. He says, do not lie to one another. Now, what's very interesting about this whole idea of lying is he doesn't really expand on this sentence at all, other than to go into the importance of putting on the new self. 
So I think it's important to note that he really doesn't bother to clarify what he means by lying, because lying can be a very broad term. There are a lot of ways uh, that lying can be done, and it's not just intentionally telling somebody the wrong thing. It can be leaving out information, spreading misinformation, as we already talked about, those kinds of things. And when we look at the rest of Scripture, and we look at the warning against lying, uh, we see from a, a few other places in Scripture how lying is a, such a bad thing. In fact, when we look at the Ten Commandments, and most people have at least heard of the Ten Commandments and probably know the big ones, we find on that list that lying is, is one of the Ten Commandments to avoid, uh, spreading false witness or sharing something that's not true. And what we have here is in that list, we see this number nine of the Ten Commandments of the things that we shouldn't do. We also find that it makes another list in God's Word. We find that it makes the list of the things that God hates, and it comes in at number two on that list. So we find that God hates lying. It's, he's very, he feels very strongly about it. And then we find uh, that Jesus even tells uh, some people who are listening while he's teaching that when we lie, we resemble Satan when we do it. He says you essentially look like the father of lies, the devil. So we see that God takes a very strong stance on lying, and it's something that we are admonished in other places in Scripture beyond Colossians chapter 3, that it's something that we should not do. And yet, it's something that still happens today. It's very prevalent in our society. Though today, we like to make up other names and terms for it, like the popular fake news. It's a lie. I mean, we can sugarcoat it and paint it and, and, and slant it however we want, but that's what it is. And we're admonished not to do it, to spread information that's not true. But it happens. And we see that Paul, going from this warning about lying, and we just talked about it, about the various places in Scripture where God talks about how much he hates it, we see that he moves from this statement about not lying to one another because he's, he's, this letter is written to Christians, and he tells them in the rest of the passage here why it's so important to not lie to one another. And we see that it's not it's important to not lie to one another because it's completely indicative of what we were like before we knew Jesus. We look like someone who doesn't know God, who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't have a relationship with him. When we choose to do things that are dishonest or spread false information, whether it's directly to someone or about someone or whatever, we look like we don't know the Lord to a watching world. And it's so important that we, we, we avoid that. Because what we see here is that not only does it, is not only is it indicative of our life before Christ, of what we were like before we knew Jesus, we find that it also causes divisions. And we see that in the rest of the passage, because he moves right from this idea of not lying and it being the old self, and to instead put on the new self, or to act like and behave like a Christian should act and behave. He then, verse 11, goes on to say, that, or rather, at the end of verse 10, we need to be renewed after the image of its creator, Jesus. And we see here in verse 11, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. So what he's talking about here is uh, an emphasis on unity. Unity in the body. Being unified, being one together in Christ. And when we lie and we spread false information or we tell people something that's not true, or we do any of those kinds of practices, what we do when we do those is we create 
what is essentially an invisible barrier between us and another. Because that what that's what happens when we lie, when we're dishonest, when we spread misinformation. We're creating a wall or a barrier between having, uh, being unified with each other in Christ. And it's important to realize that, and we're going to see why that's important as we continue on here. See, we <clears throat> when our, our goal and what we should be striving to do is to move toward the image of Jesus, who created us, and more importantly, the God of truth. The God of truth. God is the God of truth. And we're called to put off lying and strive to be unified together in Jesus. We're told first by Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, that we have to stop and just say no to lying to one another. And in all honesty, there's really not a lot more to say about that. Because God's already said a lot about it in the scriptures. So we don't really need to spend, we know we're taught from a very young age that lying is wrong. It's one of the first things that um, good parents teach their children. So it's something that we all should know, whether you know Jesus or not, we're all told lying is wrong. So we're going to belabor that point anymore. We're going to move on to some other ones that are also prevalent today. So he says, just say no to lying to one another in Colossians chapter 3. The next one that we're going to look at is over in the letter to the Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5. And again, Galatians 5 is kind of, or Galatians toward the end there of Galatians, you find lists of things that Christians uh, should do and things that Christians shouldn't do, much like we saw with Colossians. We find the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And what we find here in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, is the next one another that we should not do. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 13, we see, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So the second one another that we're going to look at from the scriptures tonight is uh, the, the just say no is to just say no to consuming one another, to consuming one another, to uh, essentially devouring and destroying one another or other ways that can be translated in the Greek. And we see that, unfortunately, far too often today online, on social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and all the different places that you can communicate with one another and express your views, opinions, and beliefs. Unfortunately, very sadly, I've seen in too many cases, Christians going at one another and attacking one another on Facebook, biting one another and devouring one another. And Paul says we should not do that. And there's a reason why. We need to remember as we look at this text, there's some important implications of being a Christian that mean that we should not be biting and devouring one another. We see in this passage in verse 13, he begins by calling them to freedom. And that's what the, the surrounding context of this passage is, is their freedom in Christ. So it's, it's not living uh, according to a legalistic mindset of uh, doing things or not doing things that, we've, uh, that aren't actually in Scripture, that we've derived from Scripture, but have somehow made Scripture. And this issue is about the legalists in the church that were um, essentially purporting things that we don't find there. There was an old saying back in the day of 
uh, don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. And Christianity, years and years and decades and things ago, uh, there were behaviors and practices, things like not going to movies, playing cards, dice, various other, uh, wearing pants, cutting your hair, those kinds of things. Uh, practices that we saw that were essentially that were taken to be held to be gospel or, or the absolute truth um, that aren't necessarily in Scripture. And so uh, what we see here is that is not something new, and that was even happening back then. In the Galatians, it was the issue uh, of circumcision being a spiritual thing that you had to do in order to have a relationship with Jesus. And so there was a division in the church, and Paul is talking to them about their freedom in Christ and how they're not under the old ritual practices and things that were done before, but now that they have freedom in Christ, but not to throw that freedom in people's faces, but to instead use that freedom to serve others. That's what we see in verse 13. Yes, you are free in Christ, but you need to take that opportunity to serve other people rather than grasp at your own rights. And that's what we see here in this particular text. And he tells them the reason that they should do that is because of the law of love. Now, this idea of the law of love is going to come up again later, so file that one away. But that's what we see here in verse 14, the law of love. For the whole law, he says, is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if this sounds like one or more of the messages that you've heard me preach over the last month, that's because there's a lot of overlap here. And as I've been studying out all of these one another's, it's amazing how they all keep coming back to these core themes of love one another, serve one another, don't be proud, be humble, don't demand your rights, look for opportunities to help other people, to think about them more than you think about yourself. And over and over and over again, these are the foundation for how we should treat each other as Christians and as believers. And so he tells them here, don't, don't strive for your own rights, but instead use your freedom to serve one another because of the law of love, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then from there, he uses that law of love to contrast what is happening in the church uh, that the Galatians are in. Because they're not doing that. They're not obeying the law of love. They're attacking one another verbally. They're biting and devouring one another. Which leads to consuming each other. And that word consume in the Greek literally means to destroy. To destroy. Because... Folks, that's what happens when Christians attack one another, when they spend their time bickering about things instead of striving for unity and the one mind in Christ, is that the church of God gets destroyed. Now, we know Jesus said nothing will ever ultimately destroy the church, but our local manifestation of the church, our local representation to a watching world can very much be destroyed. It happens when churches split and get divided. It still happens today. It's what happens when Christians fight with each other. And he says, don't do it. Don't bite. Don't devour. Don't consume one another. Instead, we need to change how we treat one another. We need to talk to each other like we love one another and then actually walk like we love one another. Because we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, And when we don't, it's destructive. It's destructive. When you use your freedom in Christ to attack someone else, there can be no other end result. 
He says, say no to consuming, to destroying one another. Instead, say yes to the law of love and loving your neighbor as yourself. And as we saw last week, even more important than yourself. So Paul is just hoping that, that he can get them to love one another as much as they love themselves. So he says, say no to lying to one another. And he says, say no to consuming one another. And maybe you're sitting there and you're going, okay, I think I'm doing pretty good on the lying front. I can't remember the last time I've done it or last time I can remember that I've done it. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't like to fight with people. I don't I don't like confrontation. I, I don't like uh, aggressive things. I don't like getting in. And you're like, oh, I'm doing okay. Well, maybe if neither of those you think apply to you, perhaps this last one does. And maybe this last one is a warning that you should pay attention to. So he says, just say no to lying, just say no to consuming. And then lastly, we see James, just say no to slandering one another. Now, this can be a problem for people who are introvert, extrovert, people who like to fight, people who like to run from fighting. Everybody gets in on this one. And there's a reason why. And the reason is because. When you're biting and devouring, you're very much doing that to someone's face. Slandering most often occurs behind someone's back. And he says, don't do it. Just say no. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And what's interesting about James is James is one of the earliest New Testament letters written. And the church that, that James um, is pastoring here is a very much a new church. So when you look at it from that standpoint, you see that this is the earliest of the early churches. And these were things, and James is a fantastic uh, letter to read to get a feel for what church was like in the, in the early days. So at the very beginning, this is an issue in one of the very first churches. In verse 11, he says this, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So James is writing here to warn the Christians that they need to stop speaking evil or slandering uh, one another. And this was apparently a problem in the church, and it wasn't just one where people were fighting with one another openly. It was There was an issue with people who were talking bad about each other behind one another's backs as well. And that you see rampant in the church today. Particularly people think they can get away with it. And what we see here is that while biting and devouring one another, their face is terrible, and it, we see that it leads to destruction in the body, in the church, we see that doing it behind their back is just as bad. In fact, James says it's evil. Get a hold on that. So when you throw shade at somebody at church who does something differently than you do or does something that you don't like, or maybe that's not how you would do it, or you disagree with, or whatever your particular difference is with that individual person, then you mention it to somebody else in an effort to assassinate their character and make them look bad. Well, it's evil. You're evil. So, I mean, really, it's pretty blunt. James is pretty blunt there. Paul was pretty blunt, too. It's just the reality. He says, don't do it. Stop. 
When you're tempted to talk bad of someone else to someone else, just stop. Because nothing beneficial can come from that. Nothing's going to change other than maybe you could try to get that person over to your side, which is probably your selfish goal anyway. It's not actually to really change anything. It's to get people to agree with you. But it's evil. It's evil. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And then he goes on to say why other than it's evil. He says that when you do that, when you choose to speak evil about one another and you cause division, much like divisions are caused from biting and devouring and consuming, as well as from lying, when you cause those divisions, you're breaking the law. Now, cursory reading of this, you might go, oh, well, it's the law of the Old Testament. And you might think, oh, well, they're talking about, you know, not wearing cloth with two kinds of fabrics and not eating shrimp on Tuesdays or whatever kind of law you might think that they're uh, interpreting here. But no, it's actually much more simple than that. And it is, in fact, much more direct than that and much more powerful than that, because the law that he's referring to here in James 4, 11 and 12 is the law that we just looked at back in Galatians, the law of love. See, told you it was Sebastian. And it's right here. So he says that you are violating the law of loving your neighbor as yourself or more important than yourself. Even. He says you're breaking that law. You are literally sinning. Now, if I wasn't you know, clear enough about that, calling it evil, it's sin. So it's not just um, harmlessly throwing shade at someone or expressing your opinion or however you want to frame it and spreading your false news. It is uh, actually hurting someone and most notably hurting the name of Christ. So we're told not to slander one another, we're breaking the law of love. We're unquestionably sinning when we choose to do that. And we need to repent of that and confess that. And in some cases, even go back to people and say, you know what? Shouldn't have said that. That was sin. It was evil. And it was not right for me to make that judgment call. And now we're going to see why it's not right to make that judgment call in verse 12. Uh, actually, second part of verse 11 and verse 12. <clears throat> so he says, when you choose to do that, you, here's that, here's that, that, that phrase again. He says, do not speak evil. And then the second part of verse 11, he says, uh, he who speaks evil. So if you didn't get that the first time against the law, judges the law or against the law of love of loving your neighbor. And then he goes on to say, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Well, what does he mean when he says that you're a judge? Well, really, literally, he's saying you're being judgmental. And then in verse 12, and critical, in verse 12, James wants to remind the Christians and the believers, and there's a reason why I wanted to remind them, and really, we all need to be reminded, right? That there's only one judge, only one lawgiver, who actually sets the standard for what's right and what's wrong. The one who is able to save and to destroy, and if you're not following along as you're playing along at home, that is God. And then he says, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, there are places in Scripture where we're exhorted to uh, make judgment calls when someone is openly sinning. We are told to do that. People don't like to hear that, but that's there. We are our brothers and sisters in Christ when they're sinning. We're supposed to confront them about that. But here, this is just talking about generically everything else. And he says there's only one judge. God is our judge. And he says this about it, and this is what we need to get a hold of here. He says that when we choose to do this, when we choose to slander other people, we are trying to take God's job. Believe it or not, you're trying to be like God. And last time somebody decided they wanted to be like God in Scripture, that did not go well for them. If you want to know more about that, go ahead and message me and we'll talk about it. But suffice to say, it's not a good idea to try to be God. 
And when we slander others and we elevate our opinion and elevate our position and elevate our preference above God's word, we're playing God. And when we do that, that's a problem. When we're judgmental and critical, these attitudes drive how we treat one another. And it does something else. If you haven't noticed the trend yet, causes division in the body. All of these one another's that we've seen tonight all point to this idea if we do them, it causes division. It causes a breaking unity. It causes damage to the body of Christ. And that's what I think we need to really get a hold of when we look at these one another's tonight. Is that it, it, it breaks the law of love, causes division, hurts other people, and none of it is harmless. It's not harmless lying or a, a white lie or a small fib. Uh, it, it, it's not uh, just expressing or stating your opinion on something or telling someone what you think of them and then saying, well, at least I can say it behind their back. And it's also not saying something behind someone's back and assassinating their character and then framing it as, well, that's just my opinion on how things should be. It's much more insidious than that. And it's divisive. So as we look at these three passages tonight, as we look at the one another's, we have to ask what we learn from these texts. What we see and what we learn from these texts is that while it's important to know the do's of one another, the do-nots are just as valid and vital, just as important and crucial. And here is what we need to do with the do-nots. First, and most importantly, is that we all need to check ourselves in these areas and confess where appropriate. We need to ask. Is that something that I struggle with? Is that something that I do, whether knowingly, willingly or not? Am I, do I struggle with lying and, and sharing misinformation and, and assassinating other people's characters, of being combative, of talking down to people and being critical and judgmental? Do I throw shade about other people to other people? And if any of those things appear in your life as a Christian, you need to stop. And confess that to the Lord, and in some cases, confess that to the people that you hurt, and, and seek to reconcile and restore that unity in the body. We see there's something else that we need to do. Not only do we need to check ourselves and deal with those areas if they're there in our lives, we find that Paul had some advice for Titus. They're the pastoral epistles. Timothy and Titus are the pastoral epistles. Paul giving scriptural advice to these young pastors in their respective churches. And Paul actually tells Timothy how he should handle people who cause division in the body, people who lie about each other, people who uh, devour and consume one another, who criticize one another, who fight and bicker and cause division, and people who slander one another. He tells him he gives them some instructions, and if you want to look there, it's in Titus chapter 3. We're not going to take time to look there tonight, but basically the summary is this. The other thing that we need to do after we've checked ourselves, confessed, and, and repented, and dealt with all that, is if there's someone in our life who is doing any of those things, who is lying, who is consuming, who is slandering, we need to talk with the person lovingly a couple of times and warn them and admonish them to stop because it's unbecoming of somebody who has a relationship with Christ. We do need to go to them and not, not put them on blast on social media but actually reach out to them and say, hey, I see that you're doing and saying these things and I'm hearing these things and, and they're just, they're not right. And they're doing damage to the church and to the body of Christ. Please stop. 
It's not right, and God clearly talks about it. And we need to go to that person one or two times, which is what Paul tells Titus. But then he also says something else after you've done that, the one or two times. And some of you might be going, oh, kick him out of church. No. He says this, though. He says we're to distance ourselves from that person and to let God deal with them. So we don't have these really long conversation threads over multiple posts where we're just constantly going back at one another and attacking all different kinds of things. You go and you lovingly say, hey, what you're doing and saying is wrong. It's untrue. It's hurtful. It's divisive. And then after a couple times, you go, okay. And you just stop. You back away. You leave them to themselves and trust that God will deal with the situation. So we see here there's some very practical things that we can do with the do nots. And that God's very clear about these areas and the importance for unity and love between Christians to a watching world. Father God, thank you so much for the do-nots just as much as the do's. Thank you for loving us enough to warn us about these things, to care enough about the unity of your body, to call us as Christians to knock off the bad behavior, to put off that old self, and instead put on the new self that operates and lives by the law of love. Lord, I pray for your church that through all of the things that we're facing and encountering right now, that coming out of all of this, we would somehow come out closer and more unified rather than divided, Lord, and that we would always make the law of love the thing on which we base all of our practices and how we treat other people and the things that we say and do. And it's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray tonight. Amen.